in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. And the blessings of the Lord make it rich. And he added no sorrow with it. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible. Yes, we read entire books here. Not just one scripture of the Bible, full chapters. And of course, I share commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word. Hey, since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith, walk in God's grace by learning Bible truth. Good day, Bible truth learners. I hope today finds you and your family well. Today you will be listening to part two of this three-part series entitled Tithing Under Grace. This lesson is being taught by Pastor Frederick Casey Price, Jr. He is the pastor of Crenshaw Christian Center and Ever Increasing Faith Ministries located in Los Angeles, California. Now, I know yesterday took you by surprise. Pastor Price shared some amazing scriptures about tithing. So I hope that you will continue to listen with an open mind and an open heart to receive the truth because you need to hear it. So with that said, here is Pastor Price. All right, saints. Head over to Numbers 18, 21. Numbers 18, 21. We're going to pick up where we left off. Our subject matter is, is tithing and, and giving. Our title is Tithing Under Grace. Tithing Under Grace because specifically as believers, children of God, under the New Testament, we are under grace and love as opposed to the law. So our position is New Testament. Our position is grace, but in order to, to have a, to emphasize it or have a great understanding of that, we need to look at tithing in its inception and tithing under the law. So there's three positions, three points of view that we're taking here uh, in this lesson. Tithing before the law, tithing under the law or during the law, and then tithing after the law. And we started off with under the law. I felt that it was important for us to deal with that first, tithing under the law. Then we'll look at tithing before the law, and then we will look at tithing after the law, which is where you and I are as New Testament believers. So I just want to do a quick review. Number one, tithing existed before the law. However, it did not become a requirement, an obligation, a debt, a payment, something old. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even considered holy 
until it was included in the law. Tithing existed before the law, but it did not become a requirement. It did not become an obligation, a debt or payment or something that was owed. It wasn't even considered holy until it was included in the law. Are you at Numbers 18? Verse 21. Quick review, here we go. Behold, I have given the children of Levi. The children of who? Levi. It's very important to remember the children of Levi, the Levites, the Levitical priesthood. I have given the children of Levi all the what? Tithes or tents. I have given the Levites, the children of Israel, or, or the, the tribe of, of Levi, one of the tribes of Israel. I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as what? As an inheritance in return for something, the work they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. So the verse says what? God has given to the children of Levi the tithes of the rest of Israel. Drop down to verse 25. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell this to the Levites. Thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel, because what did verse 21 say? The children of Israel would take tithes or tenths and give them to the Levites. Once the Levites receive those tithes from the remainder of Israel, then the Levites were to, verse 25, when you take from the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, Levites, then you shall do something. You shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord, a what? A tenth of the tithe. Why a tenth of the tithe? Because the Levites' inheritance were the tithes of the children of Israel. So once the Levites received the tithes from the children of Israel as their inheritance, then they were to look at their inheritance and tithe off that. A tenth of the tithe. You with me? Verse 27, and you shall heave and your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor. Another word for threshing floor is corn floor. And as the fullness of the wine press. Threshing floor and wine press. Now there's a, there's a, a place in scripture. Uh, I, I can't remember if it's, if it's Numbers or Deuteronomy or Chronicles where it talks about how they were going to take the produce of the threshing floor or the produce of the wine press. And in the Hebrew, that word produce, it has many meanings. It can mean revenue. It can mean increase. But, but according to the context, it was specifically talking about a tithe of the threshing floor and a tithe of the wine press. And what does that have to do with? Or what does that deal with? The threshing floor deals with corn. The wine press deals with the grapes or the fruit. So he says, verse 27, you shall, your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness 
of the wine press. So here in Numbers 18, chapter 18, verse 21, verse 25, verse 26, we see that the children of Israel would pay tithes to the Levites because that was their inheritance. Then the Levites would then take that inheritance, which happened to be the tithes of Israel, and then they would tithe off those tithes. You see that in, right here in the scriptures? Okay. Look at now at Deuteronomy 14, 22. Deuteronomy 14, 22. Now, I, I pray that you're paying attention. I'm going to need a little feedback every once in a while. Crenshaw. Deuteronomy 14.22. When you have it, say I have it. If you don't have it, look up. Look at the screen. Deuteronomy 14.22. Listen up. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. Sounds very similar to what we just read in Numbers. He says, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. What did I just read in this 23rd verse? In this 23rd verse, God is talking to the children of Israel and he tells them you shall eat your tithe. Now, wait a minute, God. I just read in Numbers that the tithes go to the Levites. Now I'm over here in Deuteronomy and you're saying to eat the tithe. Let's keep reading, verse 24. If the journey is too long. See, look at this latter part of verse 23 again. This first part of, of verse 23. You shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where what? In the place he chooses. So the Lord would choose a place and have the children of Israel go to this place that he chose where they would then take the tithes and eat them. What would they do? Eat the tithes at the place he chooses. Now this already sounds different from giving tithes to Levites. What's God talking about here? Let's keep reading. Look at verse 24. But if the journey's too long, meaning what? If the place the Lord chooses is too far, so that you're not able to carry the tithe. Now wait a minute. What kind of tithe are they carrying that would be so heavy or weighty that they might have to exchange it for money. Grain, animals, fruit. Those were the tithes. Those were the tents. If the journey's too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange that tithe for money, Take the money in your hand. Make the journey. Go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And once you get there, you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires. Oxen, sheep, wine, similar drink. For whatever your heart desires, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice, you and your household. This is different from what I read in Numbers. Why is it different? from what I read in Numbers, because we just read about two different tithes. See, under the law, Israel had three tithes they were to pay. Three different tithes. First tithe went to who? The Levites. Second tithe 
was to be eaten at the place the Lord chose. That first tithe is referred to as the Levitical tithe. That second tithe, where they eat, is referred to as the festival tithe. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. Drop down to verse 28. At the end of every third year, the third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion, Levite has no, no portion, so what's his inheritance? The Levite's inheritance would be the tithes of the other 11 tribes of Israel, the rest of Israel. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. That means store it up within your city. In verse 29 says, the Levite, because he has no portion, nor inheritance with you. Oh, but not just the Levite, who else? The stranger, the fatherless, the widows. You know who else is included here? The orphans, the poor. Those who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do, and then quickly jet over to Deuteronomy 26. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, you there? Deuteronomy 26, 12, it says, When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, which is called what? The year of tithing, and you've given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. We just read about Three distinct tithes under the what? The law. This is why we're looking at tithing under the law first before we look at it before and after. Under the law, there were three tithes. Tithe number one. Levitical. It went specifically to the Levites and the Levites only. 10%. Second tithe festival tithe. This was the tithe eaten at the place the Lord chose. 10%. Tithe number three only occurred every three years. That was the poor tithe. All right? The tithe that went to those who hurt. That was paid every three years. All right? So if we had year one, right? Year one for the children of Israel the tithe was 20%. Year two was 20%. Year three was 30%. Now, if you took that extra 10% in year three and you divided it up between three years, you'd get 3.3% a year. So the total would be yearly 23.3%. That's what Israel tithe. Not just 10%. 23.3%. One tie for the Levite only, 
One tie for the festival, third tie for the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widows, those who are hurting, those who are in need. Okay. Last part of this re review, look at 2 Chronicles 31. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 5. And let us answer now this question, where did the tithe go? Well, we already know where one tithe went. That second tithe, that festival tithe, it went in their belly. It's a festival tithe. It was to be eaten, consumed in the place where the Lord chose. What about that first tithe? What about that third tithe? Where did the tithes go? Look at verse 5 here, Second Chronicles 31. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the what? Tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the what? Tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, and they laid them in what? This word heat literally means pile of corn. Heat literally means pile of corn. Now we know that it wasn't just limited to the corn because it says they brought the tithe of what? Of everything. It said they brought tithe of oxen. They brought tithe of sheep. But we see predominantly that the tithe was, was the grain. The tithe was the produce of the ground, of the land. You see that. Verse 7. In the third month, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. It took four months to lay these things in heaps. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then, verse 9. It, Hezekiah questioned the priests and the who? Levites concerning the what? The heaps. And Azariah, verse 10, the chief priests from the house of Zadok answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Where did the tithe go? Verse 11. Now Hezekiah commanded them, them who? Priests and Levites. That's who he's talking to right now. He commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord. Rooms in the house. And they prepared them. Then they faithfully brought into the room, what? Offerings, tithes, and dedicated things. Kananiah the Levite was in charge. A Levite was in charge. Watch this. It was the responsibility of the Levites to bring the tithes and the specified offerings into the storeroom. Kananiah the Levite had charge of them and Shammai his brother was the next. So what do we see here? We see a Levitical tithe, Numbers 18. A festival tithe, Deuteronomy 14. A third year tithe for the poor, 
Deuteronomy 26. And we see that these tithes were brought to storerooms by the Levites. Everybody see that? Yeah. All right. Now let's pick up where we left off. Go to Nehemiah chapter 10. When this lesson is over, you will have read every tithing scripture that exists in the Bible. Everyone. You'll have read them all and read them in their context. Nehemiah. 10.35. And it reads... And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord. To bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as it is written in the what? The law. And the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God. Bring them to who? To the priests who minister in the house of our God. Now, a scripture like this has been wrongfully attributed to the New Testament church. It's been assumed that something like this translates into you bringing your tithe to me, the pastor, in the house of the Lord. But that doesn't translate. Because in the New Testament, do you know what the house of the Lord is? Do you know who the house of the Lord is? Do you know who the temple of the Holy Spirit is? Do you know who God's building is with Christ being the chief cornerstone? That'd be you. I mean, if we're going to knock over a few sacred cows, we might as well knock over some of the biggest ones. You know, seriously. I mean, see, someone trained us to think this way. Shh, be quiet in the house of the Lord. Take your hat off in the house of the Lord. Do thus and so in the house of the Lord. But see, the problem is you and I are the house of the Lord. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are, as Paul said, you are God's building. Something so old and scripturally based is so new today. How did that happen? Y'all know who I'm going to talk about later. They've been in the earth for a long time. They introduced us to a, a lot of things that were not based in scripture. To the house of our God, latter part of verse 36. To the priests who minister in the house of our God. To bring the what? First fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil. To the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God. That's the same as the storehouse. And to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites. Bring them to who? Levi. To the who? To the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the store house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. You still in Nehemiah? Look at chapter 12, verse 44. Mind you, I, I, I use one illustration, take off your hat in the house of the Lord. 
I'm fine with that. That's an old school rule of respect. I don't, I don't know when it was originated, and I'm fine with taking off your hat in, in the building, taking off your hat when you enter into a building. I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. I just want you to know who and what the house of the Lord is. Now, somebody tells you to take your hat off, just don't argue with them, don't fight with them, just take your hat off. It's not going to be the end of the world. All right, I've been in some places. Matter of fact, when I go to the airport, when I go to the airport, I always wear a beanie. And they tell me to take the beanie off and put it in the, in the, in the container so we can go through the, the x-ray belt. And I tell them before I do it, it's not pleasant under here. I'm just letting you know now, once I take this off, I don't mean to offend you, but my hair, it, it's not done. And this is when it was longer. It, it's not done. It's going to look a little crazy, but it doesn't matter. They asked me to take it off. So guess what? Just take it off. Okay, I can put it back on on the other side. So it's not the end of the world. I just want you to, to know and focus on who the house of God is, who the temple of the Lord is, who the building of God is, who the church is. Where did I tell you to go? Nehemiah 12, 44. And at the same time, some were what? Appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for what? Offerings. For what? First fruits. For what? Tithes. Because where do the offerings go? Into the storeroom. Where did the first fruits go? Into the storeroom. Where did the tithes go? Into the storeroom or storehouse. To gather into them from the fields of the cities the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. Both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and then the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. So we're seeing some serious specifications here where these consecrated things are going. We now see Levites setting some things aside for the Aaronic priesthood or the sons of Aaron. We also see that singers and gatekeepers are being taken care of now. All right, this is already on top of the fact that the Levites are taken care of, the poor, the fatherless, the widows, the orphans, the strangers. That's what these tithes and, and, and offerings and first fruits and consecrated things ultimately were for. And you'll see that in a second. In Malachi. But before we get to Malachi, Malachi City, Let's look at Nehemiah 13. Two, two more scriptures in Nehemiah. 13, 12. Nehemiah 13, 12 says, Then all Judah brought the tithe of the what? Grain and the tithe of the what? New wine and the tithe of the what? Oil. Where did they bring it? To the storehouse. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse. Shelemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites. Padiah, and next to them was Hanan the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful, and their task was to distribute it, to distribute to their brethren. Once again, priests are appointed over 
the literal storehouse where things were stored. You see that? All right. Amos, the book of Amos. You know where Amos is? Chapter 4. We won't even read all this. Well, first we'll just look at verse 1, who, who this word is for. That third year title was for who? Poor, fatherless, widows, strangers. Watch this. Look at this first verse. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. That is not a respectful <laughs> title. Who are on the mountains of Samaria? Watch this. Who oppress the poor and who crush the needy? Who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. Drop down to verse 4. Come to Bethel, meaning house of God, and transgress at Gilgal. Multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes every three days. Nobody does that today. <laughs> Tithing every three days? Who wants to do that? And you say, oh, pastor, I'd do it if it was a commandment of the Lord. But this is a specific context here. This is a, 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 an admonition going forth from the prophet Amos, mouthpiece of God. And so he's talking to the cows, not the literal cows. You oppress the poor, you crush the needy. You're foul, basically. You multiply transgressions. You are... Those who transgress, he says, here's what I need you to do. Bring your sacrifices every morning and bring your tithes every three days. This is all under the law. What? King, king James? Traditional says king? I mean, says three years? Well, look at that. That would line right up with the third year tithe in the first place. And why might it say that? Let's take a look. Yeah, it says three years. Now, now, see? You see the problems with translations? You see how that works? Since when did days become synonymous with years? Unless you, the student of the word, are already to know what days means. As you read it from the New King James Version, which came after the traditional. So, let's look at this word years. That's interesting. Hebrew dictionary says it means day. So the new King James updated the scripture to the correct wording. The traditional, while it says year, it means day. As a matter of fact, it's the same Hebrew word for day and days mentioned in Genesis 1. On the first day, on the second day. So it doesn't mean years. It means days. But if you don't know that, then you'll think that this verse in particular meant years. Classic example, Acts 12.4. Traditional says what? Easter. The word is not Easter. It's Passover. Easter and Passover are not the same thing. Amen. But the way the translations are presenting it, 
It's as if the terms are synonymous. The danger in relying on translations only. You read a Bible, it has the word Easter in it, you figure Christmas is somewhere nearby. It's got to be in there too. That's not even what God was talking about. It's talking about Passover. Easter came later, the Catholic Church adopted it and, 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 and set these days aside to be synonymous with Passover, which existed way before the Catholic Church ever even showed up on the scene. Boy, these versions and these translations, if you're not careful, they get you in trouble. That's why you need those Hebrew and Greek dictionaries. I'm not saying you need to speak fluent Hebrew and Greek, but the dictionaries help. And more importantly than that, you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. All right, watch this. Malachi. Say, Pastor, I know that one. All right. Drop your rocks now. <laughs> and let's take a look at some things. We're still under the law, saints? That's a trick question, see? In our study. We're still under the law. We're still talking about tithing under the law. No, we are not under the law, are we? We are under grace. We are under the new covenant established on better promises. But in our study, we are still talking about tithing under the law. And that's where we find Malachi. Watch this. Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Watch this. The question is asked. Pay attention to this. You, you, you need to watch this pattern. Will a man rob God? The question in return is how or in what way have we robbed you? The response? In tithes and offerings. You have robbed me even this whole nation. Now that right there should register something. How did the whole nation rob him when he's only talking to a specific group of people based on the verse alone? He says, you've robbed me, even the nation. Which apparently he wasn't talking to the nation, he was just talking to whoever you is. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. We already read in Second Chronicles whose responsibility it was to bring tithes into the storehouse. Levites, there you go. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food or meat in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and here's what I'll do, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot simply read those verses only. Hallelujah. We can't do it. Teach now, I want you to follow a, a, a series of questions with me, and I want you to notice the pattern. 
You see this verse 8, Malachi 3.8? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And then you say or ask, in what ways have we robbed you? Will a man rob God? How have we robbed you? Will a man rob God? In what ways have we robbed you? But look over here in verse 13. Malachi 3.13, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? The question follows the same pattern as Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? In what ways have we robbed you? You have spoken harshly against me. You ask, how have we spoken against you? Look at Malachi 3.7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordin ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say... In what, in what way shall we return? In what ways have we robbed you? In what way shall we return? In what ways have we spoken against you? Back up to Malachi chapter 2. Look at verse 17. Malachi 2, 17. Who reads Malachi chapter 2? You have done what? Wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied you? So that tells me that the only question, or the question of in what ways have we robbed you, is not the only question being asked. In what ways have we wearied you? In what way shall we return to you? In what ways have we robbed you? What was that last one? In what way have we spoken against you, wearied you, returned to you, robbed you, spoken against you? See, we can't focus on one of the questions and neglect the other three. See, we need to know who, God, were you talking to when you said bring all the tithes into the storehouse? Well, well look here at Malachi 3.1. Malachi 3.1, which says, Behold, I send my messenger. This isn't helping me out. I still don't know who he's talking to. How about Malachi chapter 2, verse 1? Maybe that'll help us. Malachi 2.1, what does it say? And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. Which priests are those? The Levites. The Levites. He said, Levites, this is for you. You Levites, will you rob God? Levites' response, how have we robbed you? The Levites asked the question, in what ways have we spoken against you? The Levites asked the question, in what ways have we wearied you? The Levites asked the question, in what way shall we return to you? Who was God talking to? He was talking to the priests. He said, this commandment is for you. He says, bring all the tithes to the storehouse. Whose responsibility was it to bring tithes to the storehouse? The Levites. He's talking to the Levites. Now watch this. I'll take it one step further. Look at Malachi 3, 5. Tell me what this sounds like. Tell me which tithe this sounds like. Malachi 3, 5. And I will come near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers. I'll be a swift witness against adulterers. 
I'll be a swift witness against perjurers, and I'll be a swift witness against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans and against those who turn away an alien, a.k.a. stranger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Third year tithe. Who's he talking to? This commandment is for you. Now, if we're going to, nobody's going to like this. Nobody's going to like this. If we're going to take this illustration and translate it over into the New Testament, well, guess who the priests are? All of us. So I guess I could give my tithe to you. And you could give your, give your tithe to him. And he is absolutely correct. And he could give correct. his tithe to her. Why? Because under the lordship of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation chapter 1, by the washing of his blood, he has made us all to be kings and priests. And according, according to the apostle Peter, a we are a peculiar people and yes. a royal priesthood. Amen. So, key word being, if, if I want to use Malachi, he said the commandment is for you, priests. However, Malachi is under the law. So he specifically was talking to a specific priesthood known as the Levitical priesthood. And yes, he was. Yes, he was. You may not like this one also, but guess what? Here in Malachi 3, 8 through 11, this is not parallel. This is not symbolic. This is literal. That's right. So when he said bring all the tithes to the That's storehouse, right. he meant bring all the tithes to the actual room and house where you store things. He says once you do that, there will be actual food and meat in my house. He then says, and try me now in this, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. When he says open for you the windows of heaven, he's talking about the actual windows of heaven. Look at Genesis 7:11. Look yes. at Genesis 8:2. The Bible says in the days of Noah, when the rain came, God opened the windows of heaven and the rain came down. In Genesis 8:2, it said that he closed the windows of heaven and the rain was restrained. Hallelujah. The windows of heaven, even in two other locations, Isaiah 24:18, where the prophet says... That's why you write things down. <laughs> Windows from on high are open. Second Kings 719. A officer asked this question. Only if the Lord would make windows in heaven. Windows in heaven, only mentioned in the Old Testament, always have to do with the rain. Teach pastor. So when God told the Levites that if you would bring the tithes into the storehouse so there's actual meat and food in my house, he says, I will no longer restrain the rain. I will open up the windows. The rain will come crashing down onto your crops and there will no longer be famine. You will have produce after produce. That's why verse 11 says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so we can't destroy the fruit of your ground. Teach. 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 Hallelujah. Exploit those false teachers. It didn't stop there because Jesus had to deal with some tithing issues. Matthew 23, 23. And guess what? As we read the gospel, what are we still reading? The law. Thank you. We're still reading about tithing under, under the, the law. law because the law existed between the establishing of the Levitical priesthood to the death of Jesus. All of that is law. All of that is Old Testament. 
Hebrews 9.16 says, and verse 17, you cannot have a New Testament unless you have the death of a testator. While the testator is alive, the testament has no power. It is not enforced until after he's dead. So while Jesus was alive ministering to the people, it was still Old Testament. The law was still in effect. Yes, it was. Amen. Yes, it was. Matthew 23.23. What happened here? Woe to you, scribes. Woe to you, Pharisees. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, it's good that you did pay the tithe, but in your process of paying the tithe, you neglected the weightier matters of the law. God's moral law. Hallelujah. The equivalent today would be, well, I paid my tithe, so, you know, my, my adultery, my lying, my, my nasty behavior, the way I mistreat people, I mean, all of that is okay because I tithed. And what does Jesus say? You did good in tithing, but you did bad in neglecting matters which are of the utmost importance. What we must realize is that God's moral law has existed since the Garden of Eden. Dietary law, that came later. Ceremonial law, that came later. Sacrificial laws, laws of civility, all of that came later. But God's moral compass has been in place since before the foundations of the earth were laid. Teach, Pastor. If you look at the Ten Commandments, they're all moral issues. Yes, they are. The moral laws showed up before all of these other ceremonial and dietary laws. And when Christ fulfilled the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws and the sacrificial laws, the moral law was still in place. That's why he said love is the fulfillment of the law. If you operate in the law of love, you won't commit immorality. That's right. You won't do it. That's right. Okay, wait. Look at Luke 11.42. These will be fast. Luke 11.42. Woe to you, Pharisees. There's a woe again. Say woe when you see a woe. For you tithe mint, you tithe rue, you tithe all manner of herbs, but you pass by justice and the love of God. See, what were these hypocritical Pharisees doing? Judging Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. Judging Jesus for delivering people and restoring people. Jesus came to heal the hurt. He came to heal Hallelujah. the brokenhearted. But the Pharisees said, uh-uh, you did it on the law. Uh-uh, you did it in the synagogue. Oh, by the way, I tithe. <laughs> oh, praise God. He said, these you ought to have done without what? Leaving the others undone. This is in the day of Jesus. Last one. Look at 18. Luke 18. Teach pastor. Look at verse 9. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you. I am not like other men. I am not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Or even as this tax collector. Guess what I do, Lord? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. 
And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector had the manhood to say, I'm a sinner. I need mercy. Oh, but the other guy, he had to let everybody know, I pay my tithes. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an extortioner. Look at all the good that I do. And what does Jesus say? Oh, you want to exalt yourself? Humbled. You want to humble yourself? Exalted. Now, tithing under the law will end with this. Israel, the nation, was not a democracy. They were not a republic. They were what's known as a theocracy. They were a nation solely governed by God. And because they were a nation solely governed by God, tithes also doubled as taxes for national Israel. God was the president. The Levites were the government. So tithes also functioned and also doubled as taxes for national Israel. All right, that's it for tithing under the law. Let's look at tithing before the law. Genesis 14. Once again, let me reiterate this. I'm not attempting to teach you a lesson where you walk out and say, I will never tithe again. (laughs) I simply want you to look at your motive for doing so. Are you doing it under an obligation or are you doing it of free will? Look at Genesis 14. This is our best tithing example in scripture. It's Genesis 14. Look at verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, mind you, no law has been given. There's no Levitical priesthood. There's no Aaronic priesthood. No priesthood has been established, and this priest shows up. Mind you, he shows up out of nowhere. Melchizedek, king of Salem, which at the time was simply short for Jerusalem, Melchizedek, by his name, definition means king of righteousness and king of peace. So out of nowhere shows up this Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, and he brings out bread and wine. Sounds like communion. And he blessed him and he said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And what did Abram do? He gave him a tithe of all. All of what? All of the spoils, all of the increase from the war he just fought early in the chapter. Not money. In the Valley of the Kings. Abram won that battle. And there were spoils left on the battlefield. Now, what do we know about spoils? Spoils could be anything. As a matter of fact, kings and commanders of militaries encouraged their soldiers to gather spoils from a victory. Why? Because they weren't paid that well. 
Gather the spoils. Whatever you find, you find silver, keep it. You find gold, keep it. You find coins, keep it. You find a necklace, keep it. You find a pendant, keep it. You find weapons, keep it. Whatever you find on the field, you take that. You earned it. You won. It's your victory. These are the spoils of war. Abram took those spoils. Melchizedek shows up and he gives him a tithe. Notice what is conspicuous in his absence. There's no commandment to do it. There's no requirement. There was no curse. There was no fear of God or robbery. Abram, out of the goodness and purity of his heart, gave the priest a tenth. He didn't pay it. He gave it. Under the law, you pay tithes. Before and after the law, you give tithes. You give them. You give them of your own accord. Before the law, there weren't three tithes. We have to ask ourselves the question, where did Abram learn to tithe? Because before Genesis 14, the Bible is shh on tithing. So where did he get it? He had to get it from somewhere. Wherever he got it, whatever he learned about tithing, it was enough for him to bless this priest who just showed up out of nowhere. And after he showed up out of nowhere, Abram gave a tenth but we're out of time now saints i know you are being blessed by this message we will conclude with episode or part three on christmas day friday december the 25th so until next time be safe and have a merry merry christmas all right I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the home page of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, and I quote, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. God will give you a return on your gift of love as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.